Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank. I'm the host of the show. I'm very excited about today's episode. Uh, today's episode, we're going to discuss a classic 1980s action comedy, uh, Beverly Hills Cop from 1984, uh, starring Eddie Murphy. But before we get into that, let me talk to you a little bit about the show. Uh, the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast, if you have not listened before, is a movie podcast. So basically, I discuss and review movies new and old. Uh, that is the focus of this podcast, and I'm very excited about it. Uh, I'm excited that I'm about to approach the three-year anniversary of the podcast. So I don't know what I'm going to do a special episode or what I have planned for that, but that's coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I launched this podcast, the first episode posted on June 12th of 2018. So very excited to reach the milestone of uh, three years on the podcast. So that's very exciting. So the other thing I want to talk about today, I'm also on uh, live on multiple platforms for the first time at the same time, which is great. Uh, I found a, a software that allows me to do that. So uh, I am right now on Facebook Live. I am on the YouTube channel and I am on Twitch right now. And I'm also on Twitter uh, on my phone, but still on Twitter here. But the great thing about this is not only can I broadcast on multiple platforms, you can come in and join me on the show. So I've been trying to grow the show. That's been my focus over the last few months to, to increase my reach and to get more people to listen and to watch the videos. So this is another way I'm able to do that. So if you go to my Twitter, which is at Bend Your Ear Pod, or my Instagram at Bend Your Ear Pod, there is a link there for this stream right now. So once I get into the discussion of Beverly Hills Cop, if you want to join in, either via chat or I can actually bring you on live onto the show and uh, we can discuss Beverly Hills Cop. So I haven't had anybody do it yet. I'm going to keep this option open. So if you want to be the first one to get on, I would be excited to have you on to give me your thoughts on the Eddie Murphy classic Beverly Hills Cop. So the link again is on my pinned uh, pinned tweet on Twitter at Bend Your Ear Pod. It's also on my Facebook page. If you're watching this on Facebook, you should be able to see it there. Uh, I'm going to post it here shortly. If anybody chats in the um, in the stream uh, from wherever they're watching this right now, and let me know. I'm going to put the link up here shortly. I'll put it up right when I get into the discussion of Beverly Hills Cop, uh, so you can see the link right on the stream. But again, if you click on that stream, it'll uh, ask your name, and then it'll ping to me to have you come in. Or if you want to chat in the chat room, you can do that as well. I'll see all the chats here. So if you prefer to just at least give your comments on the show or on Beverly Hills Cop, you can do that. But I would love for someone to come on uh, as I've uh, tried to grow the show. Uh, I've had feedback. And I know for me, I've been doing this show solo. I do interviews here and there. Uh, so the ability to have the flexibility to have somebody come on on a live show. Uh, I know when you interact with someone, it adds a different um, feeling to the podcast, a different uh, energy. And I recognize that. Uh, like I said, most of the time I'll be doing this flying solo, uh, but uh, I'd love to have you come on and talk about what I'm talking about today. So you can find the podcast if you listen on the audio feed later. Uh, it's available on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast on, uh, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, it's on Amazon as well. So you can uh, direct your Alexa to play the podcast and it'll, it'll play the latest episode. So definitely check that out. I would also ask if you do follow me on social media, uh, at Bend Your Ear Pod on Twitter, at Benji or at Bend Your Ear Pod at, on Instagram. If you can like and share anything that I post regarding episodes, uh, that's uh, a quick and easy way you can help the show obtain a higher following. So I'm always looking to do that. I'm aggressively trying to grow the show. So if you can do that, I'd appreciate it. 
Also, if you do listen uh, to the audio podcast, uh, wherever you listen to it, specifically on Apple Podcasts, if you can rate and review the show. Uh, I was uh, on Twitter yesterday and actually had someone post uh, that they listened to my episode reviewing Tenant. Uh, so I want to give them a shout out. I want to thank them for that. They actually reviewed it. They actually listened to the episode and gave me some feedback uh, about what they thought about it, which I really appreciate it. So I want to thank them for doing that. Uh, you don't have to reply to me on social media, but if you rate and review the show on the on the application that you use, that's really another helpful way because the more ratings and reviews a show can get, uh, the higher the show will show up in search results. So if people are looking for a new movie podcast to listen to, then they will see this show pop up if there's a number of ratings and reviews. So if you could do that, I'd really appreciate it. Uh, again, I want to thank, uh, I think it was Caleb on Twitter for uh, li uh, listening to the Tenant episode and uh, and reviewing it. So uh, this is episode 73. So I have plenty of back catalog. So if you haven't tried out the podcast, definitely check it out. Uh, there's reviews of movies going back for three years. And like I said, it's a it's a good podcast to listen to if you're looking for new movies. My goal uh, moving forward with the podcast, uh, when the podcast started, it was a three topic podcast. I recently narrowed the focus to movies. So one of my mission statements for the show is to hopefully find movies that maybe you haven't thought of in a while or haven't seen at all and uh, movies that I enjoy and sharing that with you. I, nothing as a movie fan makes me happier than when I can turn on someone to a movie that they would have not normally seen. Now, obviously, a movie review today like Beverly Hills Cop, that's going to be a movie that a lot of people know, but not everybody's seen this movie. And uh, and I know a lot of people that listen to podcasts and watch uh, uh, content on YouTube or wherever are younger. And if, if, you're, if you're 20 years old or younger, um, or even 20 to 30, you may not have seen Beverly Hills Cop. You may, you know who Eddie Murphy is. You probably know him now more for, for Coming to America, the sequel to the original film that came out in 88. Uh, so I think uh, hopefully if I can help you watch or discover a movie that maybe you hadn't seen before or, or were hesitant for whatever reason. So hopefully I can be successful in doing that. So that's the goal of the podcast. And plus, I enjoy talking movies and I enjoy talking movies with anybody that wants to talk about them. So uh, definitely uh, check me out on social media, especially Twitter. I'm on there every day uh, talking movies. So before I get into the review, one thing I wanted to talk, just a little personal story. Um, I saw on Twitter this week that this was the 40th anniversary of the release of The Empire Strikes Back. It came out May 21st of 1980. So, of course, Empire Strikes Back is the second film of the original Star Wars trilogy considered by most Star Wars buffs to be the best film of the original trilogy. And uh, I would agree with that. Uh, two things about it. So my memory of The Empire Strikes Back, so to show my age a little bit, I was 10 years old when the movie was released. And it's a great memory because my late grandmother took my brother and myself to see the movie because I think we begged her to go. Uh, it was a Friday. We were not in school, I believe. It was May. So I think we were out of school for some reason or school might have been over for the year. So Empire Strikes Back was opening and uh, we, you know, I begged her, I'm like, oh, you got to take us to see it. My, and my grandmother really didn't go to the movies very often, but as a favor to us, she took us to see the Empire Strikes Back. And I remember waiting in the line. I remember the excitement of uh, going to see it. This was in Tampa. So this was at a, a old theater called the Hillsborough Theater, Hillsborough Avenue. So those from Tampa will know what I'm talking about. It used to be a three theater, uh, three screen theater. So old school theater. So again, this is 1980. I had just moved to Florida three years previous or two years previously. So I was still pretty new in Florida, but uh, so excited to go see the movie. And my grandmother did us that solid and, and took us to the movie. So that's a great memory uh, of seeing Empire Strikes Back on the big screen when it originally came out. And then, of course, obviously, you know, loving the movie. And then 
in uh, having the ending that it had, one of the most shocking endings in movie history. An interesting note, it's funny how your taste change. I actually, when I was a kid, The Empire Strikes Back was not my favorite movie. I actually liked Return of the Jedi better. And the only reason I didn't like, or that's the wrong word. The only reason I had an issue with Empire Strikes Back was because of the cliffhanger ending. Uh, it left things unresolved. So I think when I was younger, uh, I wanted more resolution. I didn't appreciate the greatness of that movie at the time. I enjoyed it, but I, I thought it was kind of a bummer that it ended uh, kind of open-ended because the original Star Wars, of, of course, had a closed ending. And uh, Return of the Jedi has a closed ending to resolve that that um, storyline. So it's funny that, that for a while I didn't, I didn't appreciate Empire Strikes Back for the greatness that it is. And obviously now looking back, uh, it's definitely the best of the three films. All three films I enjoy very much, but Empire Strikes Back is definitely the best. So that's my memory of that. So any thoughts on that, let me know. And uh, I'm going to drop the link here and then I'll get into my talk of uh, Beverly Hills Cop. So if you look at the screen right now, you'll see the link. Uh, this is the link you can click on. What it'll do is it'll open a browser. So you don't need to have any special software. You don't need to do anything, just basically your computer uh, and a web browser. It'll, it'll launch that and it'll put you right into the stream. Like I said, what it'll do is it will ask for your name and then uh, you click on to go onto the screen, to the stream. I will see you here and then I will invite you in and we can either discuss um, Beverly Hills Cop or if there's something else you want to talk about, I'll, I'll free form it for anyone that wants to come on. Uh, we'll be flexible here. Uh, but if anyone doesn't come on, like I said, I'll just move forward with my review and discussion of Beverly Hills Cop. So there is the uh, link right there. Um, I'm going to hide it for now so it's not showing on the screen. If you need it, just pop me up here and I'll put it back up. And again, you can find the link on uh, my pinned tweet on Twitter, on Instagram, and it's also on my Facebook page. All right. So let's get into Beverly Hills Cop. So Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, was a film that came out in 1984, starring Eddie Murphy. It also has a great supporting cast, Ronnie Cox, John Ashton, uh, Lisa Albacher, uh, Jonathan Banks, Stephen Burkhoff, a uh, very good cast, and some and Bronson Pinchot in a memorable role. So I'll get into them in a, in a minute. So a little history behind Beverly Hills Cop. So as most movies do, if you study movies at all, or even if you don't know much about them, you know, movies are a, a collaborative and evolutionary kind of business and, and, and how movies come to be. There's always a lot of interesting backstories to, to movies. And the most interesting ones that are always to me are the ones of, of movies that might have been. If you listen to episode 72 last week, I told the story of Midnight Run uh, with De Niro and Charles Grodin. The interesting story to that from the Robert De Niro perspective was that Robert De Niro was looking to do a comedy after The Untouchable. So if you listen to that episode, I talk about that a little bit. And he really wanted the role in Big, uh, which ended up going to Tom Hanks. Uh, he wanted to do the role. The studio didn't think he'd be right for it, so he ended up moving on. And so, of course, Tom Hanks gets that part and ends up getting an Oscar nomination and kind of catapults his career. And then, of course, Robert De Niro ends up doing Midnight Run, which ends up becoming one of the classic, in my opinion, the best buddy comedy ever. So had he taken the role in Big, he wouldn't have had the role in Midnight Run because those both those movies came out, I believe, in the same year. So it's funny how those things happen. So with Beverly Hills Cop, it's kind of an interesting backstory as well. So the story of Beverly Hills Cop or the genesis of that story um, was kicking around in the late 70s. So producer Don Simpson, who was the partner of Jerry Bruckheimer. So Simpson Bruckheimer produced some of the mega hits of the 1980s, you know, Top Gun, Flashdance. Uh, a ton of movies in the 80s. In uh, Brookhammer, of course, is, is still working today. Don Simpson passed away. But Brookhammer is still, he does Pirates of the Caribbean. He's done, I think, CSI on television. So he's one of those super producers. Um, and there was a lot of those in the 80s. Producers kind of had a big 
uh, names. So like people like some Simpson and Bruckheimer or, or um, Joel Silver, who produced a lot of action films like Die Hard. So they were very powerful in the 80s. So in the late 70s, Don Simpson had a genesis of an idea about a cop uh, coming from out of town and uh, showing up at Beverly Hills and how the Beverly Hills police would react to that. So that was kind of a genesis of an idea that kicked around in the late 70s going into the early 80s. And a screenwriter, uh, let me pull his name up, named Danilo Bach was commissioned to write a screenplay based on that genesis of an idea. So he came up with the with the screenplay and the original title was Beverly Drive. And that iteration of the screenplay was a straight up action movie. Uh, it, it was definitely uh, uh, an action movie, uh, just a standard, you know, cop violent action movie. So that's the way it kind of started. And the actors that they were considering um, when he was writing the screenplay were actors like um, James Caan, Al Pacino. Uh, those are the type of actors they were looking to play the lead in the role, the lead in the movie. So as it culminated and they got developed and Simpson and Bruckheimer were looking to get this movie made, they uh, actually signed Mickey Rourke, who was hot at the time, to a uh, contract. So and I forgot the name of it in the business, but basically they paid him four hundred thousand dollars to not make another movie. So I think it's a hold deal. I believe it's what it's called. So basically they give him this money that says you don't make any other movies for this period of, for a certain period of time while we get the stuff together to get this movie made so you can play the lead. So he had signed the deal. He was going to do it. And unfortunately the screenplay development took a little longer than they had anticipated and the whole deal expired. So of course, you know, Mickey Rourke left to go do another movie. So they needed another lead actor. So they got, they asked Sylvester Stallone thinking that he would turn it down. Um, because at that time, Daniel Petrie Jr. was brought in uh, to punch up the original script and added some comedy elements to it, uh, to the action. Um, and they were moving more in that direction. Daniel Petrie's thought was uh, to, 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 to add some of the comedy in there. Because like I said, it was a straight action script when he looked at it. So I think at the time they had thought about Eddie Murphy, but uh, they asked Stallone, probably thinking he would turn it down. And to their surprise, he accepted the role. So he read the script, uh, but he said, I need to change it. So obviously, you know, Stallone's a screenwriter. You know, he, he wrote Rocky. He, he, he's very heavily involved in the story aspects of the movies that he does. So he did a rewrite of the script and changed the you know changed it to to match his acting persona and the action so basically all the comedy was out and it was heavy action a lot of violence uh and with a uh, with a climax that was very violent so he turns in the, the script the uh the revised script to uh to paramount and Bruckheimer and simpson and paramount was like yeah we can't make this movie because they had the movie budgeted at about 14 million dollars and the the budget that would have it that it would have taken to shoot Stallone's version of the movie was about 20 million. And they're like, no, we're not going over to 14 million. So uh, we're not going to do it. So Stallone had a deal to do the movie and he could have really made a hard time about it and collected his money for the work he had done on the screenplay and all of that stuff. But he was actually very gracious about it and bowed out of the movie. So once he bowed out, um, uh, they went to Eddie Murphy and uh, Eddie Murphy read the script and uh, was read the the funny version of the script and it was and was in uh funny aside about the uh the stallone participation so the character of course axel foley is the character in the movie that that uh, eddie murphy plays 
Stallone in his version of the script changed it to Axel Cobretti. Now if that name rings a bell. A lot of the story elements that Stallone had incorporated into the Beverly Hills cop script were used in his action film Cobra. So his character in that film, which is an action movie, straight action movie in the, in the Stallone vein of movies he did at that time, his last name was Cobretti. So he moved that over to that. And that basically became the genesis for that movie. Um, not a great Stallone movie, but uh, he was able to at least make that movie the way he wanted to do it after he bought out of Beverly Hills Cop. So the next task at hand, uh, they've got Eddie Murphy, was to get the director. So Bruckheimer was a huge fan of director Martin Brest. He had directed a film in the late 70s called Going in Style, a very funny comedy. They had watched a lot of his student films and were a big fan of his work. Now, obviously, if you listen to episode 72 or if you know Martin Brest's work, he's directed some very, very good films. Uh, this movie, Beverly Hills Cop, Midnight Run, which I reviewed on the last episode. He also directed Scent of a Woman with Al Pacino, uh, which he eventually won his Oscar, which is also a very, very good film. I know that Al Pacino's performance gets made fun of a lot, the hua and all that stuff, but it's actually a really good movie uh, with a great cast that had Chris, uh, Chris O'Donnell and Al Pacino and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, very good cast, a very good movie. He's a great director. Um, and I spoke about him last week. He directed the film Gigli in 2004 that had Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez, which was critically panned and didn't do well. And unfortunately, he hasn't directed a movie since. He's been kind of away. I don't know if he's retired. I don't know. Like I said, I, I don't want to use the word, word recluse, but he's definitely not active in the business. And I don't know if that experience with Gigli just kind of soured him on movie making or if he just decided that he was done. Uh, but again, Bruckheimer was a big fan of his work and they had persisted to try to get him to do the movie. Uh, over a period of time as they were developing the script because they really thought he would be a good fit to direct. And he turned him down, turned him down until Bruckheimer finally had a meeting with him uh, after they got Eddie Murphy. And and literally Martin Brest confirmed that he flipped a coin because he's like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to flip a coin. Heads, I make the movie. Tails, I don't make the movie. So it came heads. So he literally decided to do the movie. So uh, Martin Brest is on as director. And uh, they're off they go to shoot the movie with the $14 million budget. So the plot of Beverly Hills Cops. So Be Eddie Murphy plays Axel Foley, a uh, cop in Detroit. So as the movie opens, um, he is visited by his friend, um, Tony, played by James uh, Russo. So he comes to visit him after uh, a stint in jail. Uh, obviously, the, the backstory is they grew up together kind of in the rough streets of Detroit, kind of um, causing trouble not committing anything major, just kind of, you know, just um, causing trouble. He comes back. Uh, he had been released from prison six months previously and uh, tells Axel that he actually hooked up and uh, was helped by one of their mutual friends in California that got him a job at a security, uh, security in a warehouse. And Tony has uh, a big stack of German bearer bonds, which is a form of, and, and bearer bonds is a very common thing that you see in 80s movies now that I think about it. Because uh, Barabons plays a huge part in Die Hard. I'll review that movie another time. But it's funny. Barabons shows up a lot in 80s action movies when it, when it comes to currency. So he has a stack of those. And, of course, that's like, what are you doing? He's like, you know what? I don't even want to know. So they go out for a night on the town, drinking, having fun. They go back to Axel's apartment after they're done partying. And they're accosted by two unknown gentlemen uh, that knock out Axel and uh, confront Tony. And it turns out murder him. So that sets the movie in motion. So obviously Axel's friend is murdered. So he wants to work on the case. Of course, he doesn't uh, get permission to do so. And he 
decides to just take a, vac a vacation, quote unquote, to go work the case and then ends up going to Beverly Hills. So some of the actors in the Detroit segment of the film, which is opens the movie, is uh, is uh, Gerald Hill, who plays Inspector Todd, who's one of those typical you know, inspectors in these action movies that are just basically angry at the main character because the main character never follows the rules. And But he's played, he was never an actor before. He was actually a real homicide detective and did this movie uh, and became an actor in this movie. And he's fantastic in it. His lines are funny. The way he goes after Eddie Murphy is funny. Like he's just funny. And he was in all three of the Beverly Hills Cop movies. He's hilarious. Unfortunately, he's passed away, but he was fantastic. And again, not a professional actor. Uh, so it was funny to see him in the movie. It's Gilbert R. Hills, his name. And uh, it's fantastic. And then, um, of course, James Russo is Mickey. I'm sorry, I kept calling his name his name Tony, but it's Mickey was the was the friend that was murdered. But Gerald R. Hill is great. You have a small part for Paul Reiser, who's in the beginning, very funny. And, uh, and if you look at Eddie Murphy movies, you know, obviously Eddie Murphy came from the world of stand-up. A lot of his movies, and he was very good with this, he would, he would cast stand-up comedians in very small roles in his movies. So in this particular film in Beverly Hills Cop, you have Paul Reiser. You also have uh, Damon Wayans in a very small part uh, when you get to the banana and the tailpipe gag. So uh, he's in that as well. Uh, so he casts uh, other stand-up comedians. So, But again, um, Gilbert Hill was great as Inspector Todd, chewing him out. So he lets him go on vacation. So he goes to Beverly Hills to uh, start to investigate what Mickey was doing out there that would have caused him to be murdered. So obviously, uh, Axel suspects that the bearer bonds that Mickey has were stolen, and uh, whoever he stole them from was probably the person that had something to do with his murder. So when he gets to Beverly Hills, he uh, he hooks up with his friend, uh, their mutual friend Jenny Summers, played by Lisa Elbacher, and uh, she is a she runs an art studio that's owned by Victor Maitland, who's played by Stephen Burkoff. So he is an art dealer, very renowned. She's gotten a job there. She works there as well. And uh, he goes to see her to let her know that Mickey has been murdered and that he's in town to investigate it. So as he confronts Maitland the first time, <laughs> he gets, uh, if you've seen the scene in the movie, he gets thrown out a window and that's how he encounters the Beverly Hills Police Department. So he encounters three uh, officers there specifically. So you've got Taggart played by John Ashton. You've got Rosewood, uh, the partner played by Judge Reinhold of Fast Times at Ridgemont High fame. And then you have uh, Lieutenant Bogomil, played by uh, actor Ronnie Cox from uh, Deliverance and actually RoboCop. Uh, so they, of course, are weary of him. They, th they do things by the book in Beverly Hills. He's And, of course, he's telling them that he's on vacation. So as the movie progresses, it's basically a lot of situations of, of Axel investigating this his friend's murder and uh, the interactions with the police there, him trying to keep the police from tailing him. And then just the funny things that happen in between. So like Midnight Run, uh, Beverly Hills Cop, the strength of the movie is the cast and what they do with the material. Uh, the script, I think, is nothing special. Uh, I think the script for Midnight Run is is great. This script here is fine, and and but I think a lot of the humor and, and doing the research for the movie and watching uh, documentaries on the movie, a lot of the movie sprung from improvisation from Eddie Murphy from John Ashton, from Judge Reinhold. So the Bogomil, or excuse me, the, the Taggart and Rosewood characters, the partners that are tasked with following Axel are, they're hilarious. Uh, they're a lot of the reason to watch the movie. And that's the strength of this movie. And that's the strength of Martin Bress as a director. This particular movie is, it's not just the lead character who's fantastic. 
it's all the supporting characters that really make the movie go. And the partnership between Taggart and Rosewood is hilarious. There's there's a scene where they're staking out Axel at the hotel. They're in the car. And I don't want to give too much away. They have a conversation that has nothing to do with the plot. And actually, on um, the script, there was the script basically said, just sit in the car and wait for and watch Axel. And they actually improvise dialogue that ends up to be hilarious. And it has nothing to do with the story other than they're just sitting in the car. And, th and those little touches in, in a movie like this is what elevates this movie and makes it really, really good. And then you have a good bad guy. So you have Stephen Burkhoff, English actor. I haven't seen him in anything other than this. I know he's done other work, but this is where I know him from. And he's fantastic as Victor Maitland, who, uh, the bad guy of the movie. And then his henchman, because of course you always have to have a henchman, is played by, if you're a fan of Breaking Bad and or the series, 1980 series Wise Guy, Jonathan Banks is in it. So, of course, on 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 Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, he's Mike Ermintrot, but he's very young here playing the the henchman of Victor Maitland. So he's great in there, too. So it's good to see him in, a, in an early role in his career. So they're fantastic as well. Uh, Lisa Elbacher as uh, as Jenny Summers is great as his friend. She doesn't have a lot to do. I mean, her her character is is really the the reason that he's able to access what's going on. So she's there for a reason, but she's very good in the scenes that she's in. They just don't give her a lot to do throughout the movie. And like I said, and then you have a cameo uh, from, from Bronson Pinchot who plays Serge, the, uh, the, I guess the, one of the art gallery employees. I'm not even going to, if you've seen Beverly Hills cop, you, you know, the scene and it's funny. It's like a two minute scene. He's in the movie twice for like a couple of minutes and just steals the two scenes. And I'm not even going to mention it. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen the movie, watch the movie and you'll see him just being extremely funny. And Eddie Murphy probably trying not to laugh. I, uh, Judge Reinhold told a story in an interview where he basically said, Eddie Murphy, if you watch the scene carefully, it's, 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 it's Bronson Pinchot being hilarious and Eddie Murphy literally trying not to laugh uh, because it's, he's cracking him up. So uh, definitely check that out. So, so as the plot goes along, like I said, they, he, 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 he finds out the reason that, that Mickey was killed and what's going on. And then you find out in the third act, there's a, there's an action packed third act, but a lot of humor in the movie. It's fantastic. It's a great showcase for, this is the movie that made Eddie Murphy a superstar. So if you know Eddie Murphy's career, he started at, on Saturday night live at age 19, uh, became a breakout star there. Then he did the film, which is another action buddy movie. 48 hours directed by Walter Hill, which is an another good movie. He's great in that movie and that movie did well and it was successful. Uh, but it was really Beverly Hills cop that catapulted him into superstardom. Another memory of this movie. I remember, so I was 14 when this movie came out and I remember when it opened, I mean, I could, I didn't see it till later because I wasn't allowed to watch R rated films, but I remember when the movie opened because me being the movie nerd that I was, I remember it opened and then it was huge. And I remember all my friends, that following Monday, I, I never forget. It's weird. I remember this, but just talking about the movie and two things happened. The movie was huge. It opened huge. And everybody was like, oh, this is hilarious. Everybody was talking about the movie. And one of the, the other hallmarks of the Simpson Bruckheimer movies are their soundtracks. So the flash dance, uh, flash dance soundtrack was huge. And this soundtrack was huge too. You had some huge eighties hits in it. So you had the heat is on by Glenn Fry. You had neutron dance by the pointer sisters and there was a Patti LaBelle song in there as well. Uh, all hits on the charts, all top 40 hits. So the soundtrack propelled the movie. And that was one of their philosophies as well. So even if you go to Top Gun, obviously you have Danger Zone. Uh, they really, as producers, really relied on a soundtrack with really good songs 
to propel the movie and to sell the movie on a different medium. So again, uh, Beverly Hills Cop is another example of that. So you get the classic 80s hits in, in that movie as well. But again, the direction by Martin Brest is fantastic. He's very skilled, just like he was in Midnight Run, in directing action comedy and and having characters that uh, that are all well cast. The cast is great. So like I said, you have... You have Eddie Murphy, you have Ronnie Cox, you have John Ashton, Judge Reinhold, the small role of Bronson Pinchot, Damon Wayans, Gilbert Hill, uh, Paul Reiser. So the entire cast, whether they're given a little bit to do or a lot to do, are fantastic. And they do a great job. So uh, that's the strength of Beverly Hills Cop. And when I rewatched it last night, it, it holds up really, really well. Um, it's one of the best movies of the eighties. It does hold up really well. And if you've never seen it before, I think you'll enjoy it. If you're a fan of Eddie Murphy, you'll definitely enjoy it. Uh, just his smart ass kind of confident cockiness is on full display here. And he does a great job and it's a, it's an entertaining movie. It's a fun movie and, uh, it's, it's great to watch. So if you haven't seen it in a while, I definitely recommend it. Uh, and, uh, and, and um, if you have not seen it, definitely check it out. Uh, you can probably rent it anywhere you get VOD. Uh, and of course you can purchase the movie as well. I own it. I've owned it for a long time. I have it on DVD. So that's how long I've owned it. Uh, it's a great movie. So on my review, so I give my movies one to five Van Goghs. So I'm going to give, uh, Beverly Hills cop four and a half Van Goghs. So obviously it's a movie I would see over and over again. Uh, I gave midnight run five Van Goghs last week. I think midnight run is a superior movie. Um, I think it's a classic and not that Beverly Hills cop is not, uh, I'm only downgrading a half star because, like I said, I've watched this movie a bunch of times. I love it. When I watched it last night, I think there was a couple of minor parts where, where it dragged a little bit. And that's just I'm nitpicking. This is nitpicking. But like I said, this is my four and a half Van Gogh review is is great. And it's a movie I will continue to watch over and over again. I hadn't seen it in a few years. It was great to watch. Uh, so uh, I completely enjoyed it. So again, what I'm going to do, I'm going to give everybody another chance if uh, you want to comment or if you want to uh, come on the stream with me and discuss Beverly Hills Cop before I wrap up the show. Uh, the link is right there, right there on the screen. You can see it. Or if you uh, have my Twitter, you can go to my pinned tweet on Twitter. The link is there. The link is also on my Instagram. So again, if you click on the link, it'll just open the browser. So you don't need any special uh, software to get, come on with me. You uh, just click on it. It'll ask your name and uh, click on there. I'll see it here. And then uh, you'll be able to come on and discuss uh, Beverly Hills Cop or Midnight Run or whatever you'd like to talk about. So again, I'm going to have this option open every show that I do. Uh, like I said, I'm looking forward to the first person that wants to jump on. Uh, it'll be fun. Uh, I'll always have this option open because it's easy. And I think, like I said, it'll add another element to the show. So again, I'm giving Beverly Hills Cop four and a half Van Goghs out of five. Now, as far as next week's show, I don't know what I'm going to review yet. Uh, I'm trying to make a decision if I'm going to continue with my 80s movies theme. Uh, I have uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which is the classic uh, John Hughes comedy with John Candy and Steve Martin. That might be up next in the queue. Uh, if I don't do that, I actually also have a Criterion Blu-ray of The Seven Samurai directed by Akira Kurosawa. Uh, so that is a longer film. If I have time to watch it, I may sit down and do that and review it for the next show. I'm definitely going to review it at some point. Uh, Kurosawa is a director that I don't <clears throat> that I've only actually seen one of his films, which is Ron, which came out. That was the film he made in 1985, which is his interpretation of Shakespeare's King Lear, which is a fabulous movie. And uh, Kurosawa as a filmmaker for me is a blind spot as far as I haven't seen his 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 catalog of films. So I'm going to 
rectify that mistake. And starting with the seven samurai it was between that or Rashomon. Uh, and I'll get to that. And of course, there's there's plenty of other films. Yojimbo. There's a there's a lot of classic movies that I need to go through. So as I continue with the podcast, as I stated, this is a movie podcast. I'm going to discuss movies new and old. I'm in the 80s right now, which for a lot of you guys is considered old movies. <laughs> uh, for me, it's not. But uh, of course, I'm from the 80s, so they're not old to me. But uh, I'm going to be reviewing a lot of older movies and, and things that I call, you know, blind spots, uh, movies that I haven't seen either by a director that I really like or just haven't seen at all. So uh, hopefully you'll join me on this journey and hopefully I can introduce uh, some movies to you that you would have never thought of before. One of the beautiful things about technology and streaming, I know a lot of people are critical of streaming and, and are afraid it's going to take over the theater experience, especially with the combined issue of people having the availability of great, very good sound systems and televisions at home. And then you have the pandemic forcing people to stay home and closing cinemas. And I know people are very scared of the cinema going away. And I understand that. I don't want the cinema to go away. I watched uh, Spiral last week in the theater and it was fantastic. I will never discount the, the movie going experience. I, I love going to a theater. That's still my favorite way to watch a movie. It's great to watch a movie on a big screen at home with a nice sound system. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but there's uh, going to the movies for me with my bag of popcorn and my soda is always going to be the way I enjoy movies when I can do that. And it's the way I've done it since I was a child. And it's, 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 it's going to the theater is really what's fundamentally been the foundation of my love for movies is watching it in that environment in the dark with other people eating snacks and enjoying whatever type of movie uh, I'm going to see. So again, uh, I hope, but the, but the flip side of that, the, the advantage of streaming and the availability of movies from almost every generation is it allows people to, and this is something I wish I would have had when I was a younger person, uh, early teens, when I was a movie starting to become a movie buff, the accessibility of all kinds of movies now is, is just something that I love. It's, it's something that, Literally, almost any movie I can watch, I don't have to seek, search that far to get it and watch it, uh, which is phenomenal. And it's phenomenal, going to be phenomenal for this podcast because I can watch, you know, literally hundreds and hundreds of movies and, and, and discuss and review them and hopefully share with the audience movies that I love that maybe you haven't seen or movies that you haven't seen in a long time that you want to revisit. So definitely uh, that's the flip side, the great side of that. And I'm very appreciative of the fact that I can do that and, and watch these movies. And what I've been doing is, like I said, I don't really buy a lot of physical movies anymore. I've been concentrating on finding classic movies that I've loved or that I want to see that I know are classics and buying them on Criterion. Uh, so again, um, my free plug Criterion doesn't sponsor the show. I don't have any sponsors, but uh, if you are a movie buff uh, and you already probably know this, but if you're a person that's interested in collecting movies, especially classic movies, um, cult movies, little movies that maybe you haven't seen or not available. Criterion is the way to go if they have it on Criterion. The presentation, they clean up the sound, they clean up the picture. There's great documentaries on there. There's additional footage about the movie if you want to learn about it. So definitely uh, check out Criterion. I know they have a streaming channel as well. I don't have that, but I, I definitely am a big fan of Criterion and what they do. So definitely check that out. So again, uh, the link's up here. Like I said, I'm going to be signing off here in a few minutes, but if you want to jump on or comment, uh, or, 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 or what you see or on the show, let me know. Uh, if you watch this later, again, the show will be available on the audio feed. Uh, that's going to be on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get the audio version of this podcast on the website. The show's website is www.letmebendyourear.com. The episodes are all there. You can download them anytime you want. Uh, you can also watch, of course, on the YouTube channel, Let Me Bend Your Ear Podcast. And then the Facebook page, if you could like that, it's Let Me Bend Your Ear. 
So if you can like that and subscribe to the YouTube channel, obviously, like I said, I'm, I'm interested in increasing the audience and, and having interaction with the audience when I do these live episodes. So again, this is uh, Beverly Hills Cop. I gave it four and a half and goes out of five. So before I wrap up, uh, I want to thank everybody that's listened to the podcast. Uh, my downloads for this month have increased uh, from the previous month, uh, month over month. So I want to thank everybody that's tried to show out. And if you're a regular listener or watcher of the videos, I appreciate that as well. Uh, I know, like I said, I, I, I appreciate it. Like I said, I had someone review an episode and, and post on social media. So I appreciate that as well. So feel free to reach out to me, especially on Twitter. Uh, that's the best way to get a hold of me. Uh, I'm on there all the time at Bend Your Ear Pod. Uh, that's the, really the best way to get a hold of me. I'll talk movies. Uh, you can follow me. Of course, I'll follow back. Uh, I love discussing these movies. Like I said, my discussion about Empire Strikes Back earlier in this episode was was brought on by somebody posting about Empire Strikes Back on Twitter. So uh, it, it it jogs my memory of, of movie memories that I have. And, and hopefully I can convey those personal stories to you about what movies mean to me and my passion about movies and, and, and why I love them so much and why I continue to love them to this day. So again, if you do see my post on uh, Facebook or on Twitter, uh, please like and retweet them if you can, whether it's episodes or these videos. Uh, I would really appreciate that. Uh, it's a good way to help get the show a higher profile. So I really would appreciate that. And also, like I said, if you listen on the audio feed later, uh, definitely rate and review the show and uh, give it five stars if you love it. And also, if movie podcasts are not for you and you see my post or or my videos if you know someone that likes movies either you like movies or you know someone that does so if it's not for you that's great not a problem uh if you could share this with someone that you know is a movie buff and get them turned on to it that'd be great so like i said i'm actively trying to grow the show like i said i'm approaching the third year anniversary of the podcast and i really have enjoyed doing this i still enjoy it i look forward to recording episodes and, and adding this video element actually which i thought was going to be something that i would have a challenge with is actually been fun. It's given me a new way to kind of, not that I needed to be reinvigorated, but it's been a great way to add a dimension to the podcast to me, to keep me more engaged and hopefully make the the show more compelling, which will get more listeners and more watchers. So that's my goal. And like I said, if you have any feedback for me, let me know what you like, what you don't like, uh, your comments about movies. I'm, I want to hear all that feedback. Uh, I want to, I want to have that interaction with the people that are listening to the show, whether it's once or regularly, especially regular listeners. I want to make sure I'm providing you something, uh, that you enjoy. Like I said, I enjoy talking movies. This is something I would do if nobody listened, but obviously I want to grow the show and get listeners. I really enjoy it. And I'm going to wrap up this show. Like I've been wrapping up every show lately and will continue to do so. We've all as a country and as a world been through a lot this past year and not to get too serious. We all know what that is. Uh, find something that makes you happy, an outlet that makes you happy, a creative outlet, a hobby, anything, whatever it is that makes you happy. If you are doing that now, like this podcast is for me, do that more. If you're not doing it and there's something that you know that you would enjoy doing and for whatever reason, you know, life is in the way you're too busy, whatever that is, start doing it. Uh, something that brings you joy that you just do for the joy of it is, is very important. You know, as I get older, life is too short and not to get too philosophical here. Uh, I try to use that as actually a positive thing. I know life is short, so do the things you enjoy and really just relish in that because it feeds your soul. It helps you balance. Like I said, it doesn't make everything better if you're having some struggles, but it's definitely something that'll help you um, 
navigate through life. So I'm going to leave on that note. I can believe on that every week. So continue to do that. That's why I do this podcast. So whether 10 people listen, a hundred people listen, a thousand people listen, that's all great. And I want to get as many listeners and viewers as I can. But at the end of the day, I enjoy doing this a lot and it makes me happy. I look forward to it. And a lot of times people in life don't have things that they look forward to, which is, which is unfortunate. So find that thing you look forward to and really do it. So again, I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, again, nobody came on today. No, no problem. I'm going to continue to have this, this Avenue open. Uh, I know someone will, uh, step in the pool with me at some point and, uh, jump on the show with me live and we'll discuss movies. I will be here every week doing it. So, uh, whenever you're ready, I'll be ready. So again, this is the, let me bend your ear podcast live on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitch, and over here on Twitter. Hey, Twitter. And I want to thank you. If you're a listener, I want to thank you. Uh, if you're a regular listener as well, if you tried it out and and moved on. I still thank you for that as well. I appreciate that. Like I said, I've watched my downloads go up and it's been very gratifying. So I appreciate that very much. I appreciate one, every single download of this show. So thank you so much. It's been wonderful. I'm going to continue to do it and I'm going to continue to talk movies and talk movies with anyone that wants to talk about it. So again, this is the let me bend your ear podcast. I am the host, Frank. It's been great talking to you today. I hope everybody has a fantastic weekend. And again, look out for my live videos during the week. And uh, look out for my next episode, episode 74, which will be recording live again, either Saturday or Sunday of next week. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Everybody stay safe out there and take care.